you've uh, had your cup of tea, please make your way back in. Great job, team. Why don't we stand for the reading of scripture together? So this is Exodus uh, 34. No, that's just the back of my head. Yeah, this is Exodus 34, 6 to 7. Why don't we read together? And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, <laughs> maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Today we're also going to read one more, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, 3 to 5. Let's read. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Amen. Lord, we welcome you here. Spirit of God, speak to us as a community and as individuals. Let your truth set us free because truth sets us free. Uh, the past few weeks, we have been um, uh, leaning into the truth of that scripture that we read the first, the first time, the, the core of our, of our series the last couple of weeks. And I, I keep inviting us that we are starting with the truth that we are safe and secure in God's love. One, that his forgiveness and mercy and faithfulness extends throughout generation. The Lord's forgiveness and mercy extends throughout generation. And then his love for you, his love for, for, for your family, his love for everyone cannot be drowned out by anything done by you, anything done around you, anything done against you. Nothing can tear you from the love of God. So we start there. We start with the reality that we are safe, we are secure. Then with that security, we can move on to looking at the past. Because if you're going to move forward, you've got to look back. Otherwise, you're going to repeat the same mistakes. But you can only look back if you know the future is secure, right? So that's the security I want you to start with. You are safe in God's love. God's faithfulness will outlast everything else that you might see as you look back. Now then, you look back and take, uh, pay attention. You see that thing that, that, that the scripture talks about that we see in reality, even in psychology and just normal life? Uh, there are things that we inherit from our family. Things done to us, things done by us, things done around us, things done to our parents, by our parents, around our parents, Think up to the fourth generation. And some of those things, if we don't deal with them, just because, oh, well, that was my grandparents, you, you'll be surprised how those patterns repeat. So we've been inviting, I've been inviting this community to, to look back. If we're gonna move forward, let's look back. But the point of looking back is to find healing. It's not looking back for looking back's sake. And this is not an invitation for, for, for us to be self-centered. Oh, you know, I was traumatized, or, you know. Or, oh, look at my family, we're blessed like this. This is not an invitation to be self-centered. No, this is an invitation to look back and then bring before the Lord things that he is already too willing to heal. He is already too willing to heal. So what are some of the things that we carry through our family lines? And I'm just going, I'm going, walking us through the 
five weeks that we've been talking about this so that those who haven't been here and haven't paid attention to our podcast, it's okay. No, those who haven't been here can, can you know, catch up. So, one, we carry generational blessing. That's what we started with. Your family. Uh, uh, Ephesians says all families derive their origin from God. Your family carries uh, uh, the beauty of God in it. And I know that some of us come from families that are so broken and we are very hurt that we cannot see it yet. The truth is there's something of God even in the most broken of places. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a theologian who said anyone who ever walked into a brothel was looking for God. Even in the most broken of places, there's something of God. Our hearts are yearning for God. And so we carry something of God in our families. But it's not just that. Even your families also carry very unique blessing that is unique to your family. Some of you are good leaders because you come from a family of leaders. Some of you uh, are just good with uh, getting financial wealth because your family, you come from a family that has been good at that. Some of you come from families that do marriage well, and so even when your marriage is a bit difficult, you still sail through when others around you are giving up because there's that blessing through your generations. Some of you come from families that were the first ones to accept Jesus, and now even though your family has a group of leaders, you're leaders in the church and you're leaders in the way of Jesus. See, we, our families also carry unique blessing that is unique to our families. So we carry that with us. So never forget that. Even as you journey through this series and in your community groups, I encourage you to also become aware of the beautiful things that you've received from our families of origin. And for those of us who will go weeks without seeing any, isn't it good news that we are all in the family of God and He is reparenting us, right? And I hope that this family will be a blessing to you. So the other thing we carry with, uh, from our families of origin is generational sin and brokenness. This is what we talked about the, the second week. There are events that keep happening in your family. You look, at, you look at your generations and you see this event repeating itself. Whether it's divorce of a certain nature, whether it's a certain type of disease, whether there are certain events that seem to keep repeating themselves in your family. There are certain uh, ways of life that, that it seem common to your family, whether it's um, uh, uh, adultery and, and, and occult practices, there are certain ways of life that may be common in your family. There are certain attitudes that you may have carried uh, towards life and people and God that are common in your family. So we also become aware of those things because sometimes they're passed on from generation to generation. So the question becomes, which ones of these am I repeating? So they don't have to all be there, but how terrible would it be if some of them are there and you're just oblivious about them? So, the quest, so even as you draw your genogram, as you talk to people who love you, as you draw your timeline, the, the invitation is to become aware of which ones you are repeating and where you want to put a stop to. And the same way with blessing, it's also become aware of which, which blessings do I want to bring into my family and the generations that are coming? What new things, what new events and ways of life and attitude do you want to start as a person and as a family? The other thing we get from our families of origin is relational patterns. That's what I talked about last week. The way you relate to people is, is, is the way you relate to God. You cannot love God whom you do not see. You cannot claim to love God whom you do not see. And you do not love uh, the, the brother and sister you see. So if you're avoidant or anxious, the way you are in relationship with human beings is the way you are in relationship with God. And these are patterns that we get from our families of origin. Because our, our attachment patterns, our relational patterns are given to us at a very, very young age. And so we become aware of those. And then we bring uh, what needs healing to Jesus. I have been reminding us that the journey of discipleship under Jesus is, is a journey of becoming love. But you cannot be love if you're not healed. You can only love, 
of course we are on that journey. You can only love as far as you've been healed. Discipleship and formation are not accidental processes. You don't wake up one morning and, oh, look at me, I'm just like Jesus. You're becoming something. And it's a very intentional process. Now, the journey, part of discipleship is learning to deal with your past. You cannot ignore your past. The journey of discipleship is learning to deal with your past because spiritual maturity demands that you grow up emotionally. You will only love to the extent that you are emotionally healed. So spiritual maturity demands that you grow up emotionally. And so the way, the way we do that is first we become aware of the places of wounding and then we take them to Jesus for healing. We become aware of the places of stunted growth and we take them to Jesus for healing. This week, I'll talk about something else that we might receive from our families of origin. Narrative scripts. You know, um, this is the fourth thing we get from, from our families. Narrative scripts are, are what I call, what you've heard me say this a couple of times if you, if you are a member of this church, stories that you have believed about yourself. So, if I ask the questions, no one has to answer out loud. Uh, who is God? Who are you? What is marriage? What is sexuality? What is politics? If I ask those questions, already in your mind, you, you're filling the gap. That tells you the stories you've believed. And now I want to talk about the stories you've believed about yourself. Listen, human beings are narrative scriptures. We all love a good story. That's why we are addicted to Netflix. Because those people putting those shows together are very good storytellers. But not just Netflix, that's why Jesus came as a teacher and he primarily taught through stories. They would ask Jesus a question and actually Jesus answered very few questions if you read the Gospels. He would ask them back a question or sometimes tell them once there was an old man with two children. Like, no, I just asked you this question, just give me an answer, right? So he taught through stories. We love a good story. We love a happy ending. We, you right now are living your life out of a collection of stories you've believed about yourself. If you believe you're acceptable, if you believe you're lovable, if, if the stories you believe about yourself are positive, you're living your life from that place. If you believe that you're not acceptable, you're not lovable, that's how you're living out your life. What you think about life, what you think about family, what you think about sexuality, what you think about God, what you think about the good life, these are the stories you've believed in. They truly inform you and you live from that place. And these are what I call narrative scripts. Or as you've heard me say, the stories you've believed in. And, and one of the ways our families of origin impact us is by giving us our core narratives. Your core narratives were given to you by primarily your, 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 your parents and caregivers and your early childhood uh, society. And even as we go through life, the, the key events that keep happening to you. Here's how important they are. They shape your identity. What you think about yourself is shaped by the stories you've believed. What you, believe, what you think about yourself is shaped by the stories you've believed. And so, in as far as the stories you've believed are untrue, then you're living out a false identity. It shapes your identity, and as far as the stories you believed are untrue, then you're living out a, a false identity. Um, so, for example, if you live with a belief that marriage does not work, because you were given that narrative, you, you've believed in that narrative because maybe uh, um, um, your, your, your family's marriages didn't work, or maybe the first one that you gave everything to didn't work, you're going to be living your life as if that's not, that, that could never work. It, it, it impacts how you live out. 
Some of you are constantly self-sabotaging in relationships because you fundamentally believe that you are unlovable. So even though you do not say it out loud, that's how you live. These stories we believe are either true or false. When we did a series on spiritual warfare, I said to us that the enemy's biggest weapon is lies, and he's been using it from the beginning. The enemy's biggest weapon against the people of God is lies, and he's been using it from the beginning. And, and what are lies? Ideas, ideas that are not true. When the enemy first came to Eve, there were no bombs and no knives and no demons flying around. It was a lie. It was a lie about who God is, about who humanity is, and about what the good life is. The enemy's biggest weapon is lies. And so, uh, when, when anyone has, has narratives they believe about themselves that are untrue, then you partner with a lie from the enemy and you start living from that place. The war for your true identity takes place in your mind. So one of the wisest people that ever lived said, as, as a person thinks, so they actually are. Well, he actually said, as a man thinketh, so he is, but you know. As a person thinks, so they actually are. The, the battle for your identity is, is happening, takes place in your mind. The good news is, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to demolish all falsehoods. We have the ability to, 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 to take the narrative scripts that are not true and submit them to Jesus. Listen. I actually think that, that even the doorway to demonic oppression is when we partner with lies. Because that's, that's the enemy's uh, biggest tool. So he starts there. He starts by selling us a lie. So, but because of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to demolish all untruths and therefore regaining our true identity. So, what makes up narrative scripts? What makes up the stories you've believed? Three things, events, emotions, interpretation. So today I was feeling a bit of my Pentecostal roots. So let's say that together. Events, emotions, interpretation. Okay, say that to your neighbor. Great, I just don't want you to forget this. So, these three things, events, they're, they're just things that have happened. It, just, it is what it says it is. Events are just things that have happened or things that keep repeating themselves in a pattern. This could be a parent yelling at you. That's an event. Or, or, or a parent taking you into their arms and you remember it. That's an event. I have this memory it's very special to me. I, actually, I don't have the memory of it. I, I saw a picture, and now it's in, my, it's in my memory. My dad is, is sitting on a couch. I was very young, and he's holding me. I have, I, I just, that one is always in my memory. So that's an event. It's everyday things. It could be as traumatic as a divorce in the family or a rejection by someone you deeply loved or just everyday things. It could be... A repeated pattern. Your parent was always late to pick you up from school. I do remember one time, my dad was late to pick me up from school, and it felt hard. And then the other, well, no, let me, uh, now I'm just remembering how, how it, this is not good, my dad watches online. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember a lot of other good things my dad did. <laughs> oh, Lord. Isn't it good that I speak online now and he's not sending me pocket money? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I love you, Dad. Uh, okay, let's move forward. Uh, then the other part of, of narrative scripts is emotions. When that event happened, what did it make you feel? Or when you remember that event, 
what do you feel? How did it make you feel? How does it make you feel? Whether positive or negative, just become aware of those emotions. Do not avoid or ignore your emotions. Emotions are gifts from God. They are messengers. They, they shouldn't be the primary way we make decisions. But you know, even that, now I'm just getting carried away. But even when people argue, oh, I'm, I'm a rational being, we're ignoring the truth that all human beings are deeply emotional. We lead from that place. Now, there are those emotions that just carry us. They're very important. You shouldn't be making your decisions from that place, but they should not be ignored. So how did you feel when that event happened? Really matters. Listen, Jesus was deeply moved. Jesus was emotional. When he saw the children of God suffering under the oppression of the enemy, he was moved. Scripture says, deeply moved by compassion. Jesus was emotional. We have a father who feels. John 3.16, because God loved the world so much, he sent his son. It's a feel. I love them so much, I am going to do something about the brokenness. So emotions are good, become aware, both negative and positive ones. How did you feel? Then the third beat, the third bit, is the interpretation. The meaning you attach to the event because of how it made you feel. Because that interpretation becomes your identity. That interpretation uh, shapes your identity. Let me give you an example. Let's say Sunday morning, you're walking to me after church, you wanna say hello, and then you see me walking away. And it hurts you, because you were very excited to greet me that day. Then, because it's hurt you, you interpret, there's so many ways you could interpret that. He could have gotten a call. He could have not seen you. His glasses are cloudy, so he's not seeing anything. Or it could be that he doesn't like you. See all those possibilities? They will shape how you engage in church the next day. So if you decide to interpret that event that made you feel hurt to say that Edgar doesn't like you because you're an unlovable person, you'll stop coming to Cherry Vineyard. And then, kidogo, kidogo, you'll decide, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just not lovable. When that happens, it happens at Trinity. You go to Trinity Chapel, it happens there. You go to Trinity Catholic Church, it happens there. And you know, priests are, busy, are very busy. But if it happens a few times, you just go, I am not a lovable person. The interpretation starts to shape your identity. And from then on, how do you live as an unlovable person? Take example number two. Uh, a divorce happens in your family when you're very young. Now, the, I'm, <laughs> speaking of freedom, I'm getting tied here. So, uh, uh, so uh, <laughs> Lord, help us. Um, a, a divorce happens in your family when you're young. The thing with our, 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 our brains when we are younger, the whole world revolves around us. I was looking at my puppy this morning and I'm just thinking, do dogs really love us or are they just here for themselves? Like, he comes to me because he wants food. I mean, he really enjoys my company and sometimes he just stares lovingly into my eyes. I'm like, wow. So I told, I told George to marry a woman who stares into his eyes the same way my puppy stares into my eyes. Like, this is incredible. Anyway. He doesn't listen to me all the time, so maybe. But anyway, let's go back. So, <laughs> what is happening today? We've got to focus. Um, <laughs> our, our brains interpret everything through the lens of me. So when a divorce happens, we think it's our fault, right? So event, you feel abandoned, you feel rejected, you feel hurt. Interpretation, my dad never loved me. My mom never loved me. I am unlovable then you start living your life from that place. See, event, emotion, interpretation, they give you a narrative script. So now think about some of the things you've believed about yourself. So even as we're doing this series, we started by talking about key events that may have happened in your family or in your life. 
One of the practices in our community groups is, is uh, an invitation to identify traumatic events. But I'm, listen, folk, you've got to learn to also identify uh, redemptive events. By redemptive events, I mean what things has God turned around for good? What things has God brought in your family that have changed you positively? Like even just the very event of you deciding to follow Jesus is a, is a, is a redemptive moment. So you've got to learn to become aware of those redemptive moments. What prophetic words did you receive that sent the trajectory of your life in a different direction? So, so we begin to identify uh, different events that have happened in our lives or those of our families. This is, this is, it's just an invitation to notice them. So we started with just become aware of them. Now, even as you remember these events, I imagine that some emotions might have come up. I told you the story of a conversation I had with my mom. We were both in tears when we talked about it. Some emotions might have come up. I want you to become aware of those emotions. And then, what meaning did you attach to that event? Because those meanings, if they're not true, let's start with if they're true. If they're true, they're in line with building your identity in Jesus. If they're not true, they're making you live from a false identity. So even as we walk through this, become aware of those events that you've remembered. What do they make you feel? What did they make you feel? What meaning did you attach to them? So if you hate yourself, or if you're bitter, or if you think you're unlovable and unwanted, you are living from a false script. Also, if you think you're the best thing that has happened to Kenya since sliced bread, you're probably living from a false script too. If you're struggling with something and you think to yourself that you could never be free from this, you're probably living from a false script and therefore you have a false identity. And some of these things you never say out loud. You just live like that. You know there are people with a certain air? They just live as if they're the most important thing in the room. Or they walk in, <laughs> my family never had a word for people who just, you know, we'd say, Anakawoishe. You know, it's like, you just don't have a word. Like, I don't even know how to say it in English. <laughs> you know, someone who just looks woishe. They're probably also living from a false identity. And that false identity even though you don't speak it out loud, it's impacting how you're living life, how you're relating to your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, how you're representing yourself to your boss and your colleagues. It is exactly where you're living from. And so, you either decide to stay there, or you say, Lord, enough is enough, heal me. And as I've often said, it doesn't matter how many times we've gotta to come to our knees. You know, so, it's easy to get, to get uh, discouraged when, you, when you're like, I prayed about this last week. And I'll pray again. <laughs> I prayed about this two years ago. Well, pray again. I prayed about this 30 years ago. Pray again. Pray again and again and again. So, there's certain experiences in your family that just sit with you. Let me, let me tell us where, where most of our memory scripts live. Not all of them, but most of our memory script, uh, sorry, our, our, our narrative scripts, they live in our memory. Memories are another gift from God. Some of you enjoy this church because you have good memories. Maybe even just from last week, if it was your first week. Some of you have been, have been in this church community for over seven years. So even when we hurt you, you remember good times. And so you keep coming back. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> so <clears throat> most, of our, most of our narrative scripts live in our memories. Uh, and, and, um, and next week, next week uh, I'll have one of my dear friends come up and, and speak about the healing of memories. That is exciting. So we will, we're looking forward to hearing from Meredith. If you don't know Meredith, you'll see her next Sunday. You, you've got a reason to come back. 
and then on Wednesday that follows that, we'll do, we'll do a, just a special prayer session for healing, especially of memories and every other thing that might have come up through this series. So some of those things uh, that, that, have, that have stuck with you, you remember them. You remember how your mom talked to you. You remember that fateful day and you can see your dad walking out of the door. You remember your teacher calling you that name and saying you'll amount to nothing. There's this, there's this reel on Instagram, uh, someone saying, eh? those who said we will not go anywhere. My maths teacher, where are you now? You know. <laughs> <laughs> and someone's probably like, dead, you know, if they were very old, if, if, if they were very old, let us accept that death is part of life. I am sorry for all I have offended. <laughs> I hope your maths teacher still is alive. Anyway, so, no, okay, so I wasn't wrong, eh? Okay. Now, guys, we need to get through this talk. <laughs> So you, you have those memories, you remember things a certain way. I've always wondered why certain memories stay and others don't. You know, like, there are things I just remember. And then there are things I really don't. Um, this is how I do it. I often pray and ask Jesus why the memories has come up. Sometimes I'd be sitting in prayer and a memory comes up. I'm like, Lord, why is this one here? Especially if it triggers a hard emotion. And I present to him how I feel. Then I try and understand the meanings I attach to those memories. This is how you become aware of your narrative scripts. When you have a memory, just ask yourself, how did that make me feel? And, and what do I think that means? So how do we turn things around? Because that's why you're really here, right? You know, how do we turn things around? What goes around comes around. No, that's not the right song. I, I did get a good one. So. <laughs> a good story is comprised of reinvention and redemption. I think that's why scripture calls us the redeemed of the Lord. Somebody say redeemed. You are redeemed. You are redeemed. And, 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 and God is continually redeeming you and your stories and the scripts you've believed. God is in the, is in the business of making you a new creation. And so... Uh, 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 Jesus and, and his death on the cross offered this uh, redemptive moment for all of creation, which means that as we enter into the family of God, as, as God reparents us into his family, we are, we are transformed into new creation, and so our narrative scripts also begin to change. But here's how it works. We first become aware of the scripts, we own them, and then one by one we demolish them in Paul's language. Last, last weekend, I, I, you know, I answered the question, do we need to know, identify these things? And some of them know, you know, God will just set you free. You didn't even know you struggled somewhere. Yet some of these things we need to ask. Jesus said, well, the Father already knows what you need. So ask. I'm like, what? Yes. So some of these things, we need to become aware of them, own them, and then submit them to Jesus and demolish them one by one. Every false narrative that has been a stronghold in your life, you need to demolish it. The Holy Spirit, through his power, moves you and me from a place of I once was to a place of, but now I am this, right? The Holy Spirit through his presence, his love, transforms us from a place of, uh, uh, where is that? Okay, uh, transforms us from a place of, I used to struggle with this, but now I'm free. From a place of, I thought I am unlovable, but now I know that God loves me no matter what. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. So you take your false narrative and you replace it not with anything, not with lies from our generation, not with lies from our culture, not with new lies from your family. You take the false narrative and you replace it with truth from Jesus. That's how we battle. I want to uh, read something from a guy called Paul, who I've mentioned a few times already. He's one of the followers of Jesus, whom we first called apostles. 
Now, Paul comes into the picture in a very funny way. He is a religious zealot and murderers at that. He goes around uh, Judea, he goes around the first, uh, the, the, their world, overseeing the persecution and even the murder of everyone who believes in Jesus, right? So this is, this is uh, 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 something that he does over and over again. What happens when patterns are repeated? They make you feel a certain way, and then you derive meaning from that. It gives you your identity. So this obviously had shaped Paul's identity. But then Paul has a powerful encounter that is so transformative with the reason Christ. And after several years, Paul goes into ministry. He didn't go right away. He submitted himself to leaders and people around him, and he was taught. Anyway, so several years later, Paul goes into ministry. He starts planting churches all over their world. Now, imagine for a moment that you are Paul. When you, when you first accepted Jesus and got baptized, and then your friend uh, uh, Barnabas, right? No, who baptized him? So this guy who baptizes you takes you to the... Yeah, you're like, this pastor needs to read the Bible, I know. So <laughs> this guy who baptized you takes you to the camp where the, 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 the Christians are hiding. What do you think they're thinking? They're hiding because of you and people like you. So they don't trust you. They don't, they're like, wait, why are you doing here, you murderer? Right? But, but even, the, so he had, he had this person, Barnabas, uh, 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 went before Paul and kept, and kept telling people, you can trust this guy. You can trust this guy. He's changed. But you can imagine how long it took for people to go, yeah, maybe we could. Right? But imagine even years later, because narrative scripts become, uh, you know, become so intertwined with, with how we live life, they form our identity. So you can imagine years later, Paul sometimes felt the pull of the old patterns of thinking. You're not the only one, even Paul struggled. He sometimes felt the pull of the old person, the old patterns of thinking. So you can imagine how many times Paul had to submit his thoughts to Jesus. So when he's, talk, when he's saying we take every thought captive, he's saying what he has to do over and over again. You know, this is the guy who wrote that when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. This was a big deal for Paul because he knows that once he was a murderer and persecutor of the church, and now he's, he's one in the suffering with Christ. He's a totally new creation. So when he writes that, he means that. And he's living a totally different life and from his true identity. Because now he's receiving the truth of Jesus into the old narrative scripts. He even goes by a different name. He once was called Saul, now he's going by Paul. Talk about changing your identity. Like you even go to the government and, yeah. So actually, when I was in Nigeria, I had a word of knowledge for you know someone in the room because uh, I, I can't remember what we spoke on that day, but I just felt that someone someone felt so unloved, and it was represented by a name change, and no one came up. That so I encourage you. It's okay when you share a word of knowledge and no one comes up. It really is okay. It's not dependent on us. So I'm trying to walk away, and this lady comes around and says, "So the name I introduced myself by yesterday is not my real name." And she goes through this whole story of, of you know, uh, how she felt rejected by the parent, da-da-da, and she even changed her name. And now she's going, but now I believe in Jesus. And, and, and for the last two weeks, I've just been hearing that old name being called, right? So this, sometimes, I'm not telling you to all go change your names because now you've found new faith. But if you have a baby coming soon, and you want some name suggestions, Edgar, Award, those are not really cool names. But <laughs> I promise you they're sanctified. Um, <laughs> I, 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 one day. So, uh, but sometimes it goes to, that, to that, that far that even our names changes. He's a new creation. 
So uh, maybe here's a glimpse of how Paul did it. This is an excerpt from a letter he wrote to one of the churches. They had written to him, asking him a few questions. And, and at this point, he was being accused of living like the world. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, here's the thing. Our ability to move forward... Is tied with 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 our journey of constantly putting down the enemy the lies the enemy throws at us and so this is this is what Paul is talking about so oh by the way the battle is not of flesh and blood you know as, as I think about this in this context as we look back into our families and the cultures we came from and I keep saying this is not about shaming or being angry at your at your family this is exactly in this context is what Paul is saying when you look back and see some of those wounds don't get angry at your mom don't get angry at your great-grandparent don't don't start throwing a fit we do not fight we're not fighting flesh and blood we're not fighting flesh and blood whether they choose to apologize, whether they choose to change their ways or not, that's not the point. Our biggest battle is with principalities in high places. And we do that, we battle by, uh, by demolishing false arguments, and in our minds we lay captive our, our thoughts and submit them to Jesus. Here, here is, is, you know, in an expanded way, what Paul is saying. One... We're in the world. I know, it's right there. <laughs> Very creative. We're in the world. Listen, don't over-spiritualize things. Some people are so spiritual that they assume nothing in this world impacts them. Oh, I'm covered by the blood. Yes, you are, but you live in the world. Don't over-spiritualize things. Your, the family you grew up in impacted you. The culture you grew up in impacted you. And the successes and failures and the blessings and the curses and the sins and the obedience impacted you. Don't over-spiritualize things. Two, we are people of Jesus respond differently. We, followers of Jesus, respond differently. In a time when war and bloodshed was or the order of the day, if you disagreed with someone, you go attack them. Paul is saying, listen, we are a different community. We are called into a different family. We are called by his name. So we do not war against flesh and blood. This was shocking people. Because in the Roman world, might always wins. If you can fight it out, do it. Then Paul says, no, 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 not so with you. So whatever it is we're up against, we do not take it the same way the world does. In this case, again, I repeat, we're not shaming our families. We're not being angry at, the, at, at those who came before us. We do not attack, we do not persecute people for their brokenness. Like, oh, you're so... You're, you're so uh, emotionally distant, what a terrible person here. <laughs> we do not attack people for their brokenness or sin. Neither do we ignore them. Because the world, in the world, you ignore the things you're struggling with and pretend there's, no, there's nothing to see there. If, if, if I have an anger problem, I just, no, 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 there's nothing to see there. They deserved it. They deserved it. If, if I shouted at people, no, 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 well, I, I needed to sell them something, no, nothing to see there. So we, we, don't, we don't attack people, neither do we ignore and assume it's just a natural world. There are things of church, and then, you know, no, no, no. And then Paul tells us we do have weapons. We are not left powerless. These are heavy tones from the scripture that I've kept repeating. That it's not by power, it's not by might, but by the spirit of the sovereign Lord. 
So we don't have to fight like the world does. We will not attack people, we will not ignore it. Those are the, the world's weapons, but we are not left defenseless. We do have weapons. Now I want you to remember, I want you to remember what I kept saying during the time we talked about spiritual warfare. Spiritual disciplines is spiritual warfare. The practices of the way of Jesus are our spiritual tools and weapons. Prayer, fasting, silence and solitude, keeping the Sabbath, reading the scripture. These are the tools we're given. And you know, you're thinking, wait, what do you mean? Just sitting down for 15 minutes and saying nothing? And Paul will tell you they have divine power. What do you mean go hungry for a whole day and pray? What does that do? It has divine power. What do you mean? Read scripture. It's an old book. I sometimes don't get it. It has divine power. We have weapons for this warfare, and they're mighty through God. We have weapons for this warfare, and they have divine power through the Spirit of Jesus. And then the fourth thing he says, okay, so... As you engage in the, with the weapons we have, you're demolishing, you're demolishing these, these strongholds in your family, in your own life, in our nation. We demolish them with these weapons. And then he says a couple of things. Then we, we, we take every, um, uh, 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 seeing every lie and pretensions that rise themselves against Jesus. We demolish them. Then we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought. This is how we fight our battle. This is how we fight our battle. When something happens and it triggers a certain feeling and it makes you start thinking a certain way, you take these thoughts and ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you think about this? When, when, when in community group a memory comes back and it has very hard feelings and it makes you feel you cannot engage like every other person does, you take that thought and you make it captive and you say, Jesus, what do you think about me? All thoughts. All thoughts. You submit every thought you have of yourself the thoughts you have of others, the thoughts you have about God, the thoughts you have about the world, the thoughts you have about, uh, about sexuality, the thoughts you have about marriage. We take every thought and submit it to God's truth. So, how then do we know God's truth? He speaks. Tell your neighbor God speaks. So God speaks through scripture. Here are three ways God will speak to you. He will speak through scripture. He will speak through the, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit when you're in prayer or even when you're walking around. Because remember I said prayer is not a set of words and a set of ways. You could be walking and you're, you're having a conversation with God. That is prayer. So he speaks through scripture, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, and he speaks through community. Prophecy and discernment. There are people who saw truth in me that I hadn't seen. And they looked at me and said, you are this, you are not that. When I thought God would never forgive me, someone walked up to me and says, God has said he's forgiven you. When I battled with whether I have actually been called for this role, a stranger walked to me, well, I, I ended up knowing them later, but a stranger walked to me and said, God has said, you are the one he chose. Community, prophecy and discernment. Scripture, first and foremost, God speaks through scripture. If there are thoughts and thought patterns about yourself that you're unlovable or anything, Hold them up against scripture. If they are inconsistent with scripture, we know which one has to give. Every thought you have, every idea you have, hold it up against scripture. And if they are inconsistent with scripture, you choose to believe God's truth over yourself. Everything you've believed about yourself, hold it up against scripture. So anyone who's in this room and you feel unlovable, you feel rejected, what does, the, what does this truth of scripture say? I have loved you with everlasting love. 
I have called you with my love and kindness. That's the truth you stand on. What, what, do I, what if I don't feel it? Well, go back there again. And then go back there tomorrow. And then go back there tomorrow. I, 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 I you know, I used to make fun of people. There might be a few in the room. You know people who write stuff on their mirrors so they look at it in the morning? Do it! Actually, 2020, I ended up doing it. I had scripture on my mirrors. Uh, something I used to make fun of because there are truths I needed to remember every morning. So go back there as many times as you need to. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. This is why I said prayer is the medium of our spiritual life. Ask the question, Jesus, how do you really think? What do you really think about this? What do you really feel about this? And then listen. Write down the thoughts that come to your mind. If you're worried, what if God doesn't speak? Let me bring you encouragement. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know his voice. Don't take it from me. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. You know his voice. You just need to trust. So in prayer, ask the Holy Spirit, reveal the Father's heart to me about this situation. Reveal the Father's heart to me about what, I, what I'm feeling right now. Then write down what, what, you, what, what you hear coming to your mind, uh, what, 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 what images you see. Just write them down. Now, I invite you to be very careful. None of us, none of us fully hears with extreme clarity from the Holy Spirit. I will never say that to you. I hope I never say that to you. And if you hear people saying that, that's a problem. Be wary of people who, who say that they have heard from God and they have no accountability. We are seeing it play in our country right now. People said, God has told me. And it's taken lives. Be wary of people without any accountability and they keep claiming they're hearing from God. So, I want you to be very careful at this point. Paul encourages to test every spirit, to test every prophecy. So, If you feel that you've heard something from the Holy Spirit, go back to step number one. Put it up against scripture. The Spirit of Jesus will never reveal something that is contrary to the Word of God. So I, I think I've heard God say this. Well, take it, take it uh, up against scripture. And then two, submit it to community. Let people around you who love you and love God reflect back to you uh, what, what the Father is saying about you. That's why, you know, sometimes uh, people do crazy things. They go, well, God told me. I'm like, wait, but who's around you? I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that everything God invites you to will go as you think it will. Sometimes God invites you into the boat and you get right into a storm. The beauty is that he's always there. Sometimes that is going to be the case. But oh, how terrible it is if you had a community that could have co-discerned with you, but you were too proud to submit for prophecy and, and co-discernment. Then... Also, community, allow people to come around you and prophesy over you. And, 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 and when you receive prophecy, the cycle starts again. Take it up against scripture and take it up against uh, trusted people who love you and love Jesus. But don't shut off. These are the ways our, our, our narrative scripts are redeemed and we begin to be transformed. Now, as we move closer, woo! As, he hasn't come up, okay. As we move closer to the end of this series, I know that some things may have come up for you that are just difficult. Or, or harder still, some of you might have noticed patterns in your own life and you feel stuck. 
You're thinking, yeah, I get it. I want to be free, but what do I do? I want to, I want to promise you, I, I, transformation is true. It's possible. I stand here as, as someone who, who has been freed from things I never thought I'd be free from and who is still waiting for freedom in certain things in my life. I want to submit that with all honesty. You know, I've told you stories of how irritable I used to be in my perfectionism. You know, I, I didn't even think that that is a problem. I just thought, well, I, I just want the best. But it was terrible. My face would just angrily look, stare at people when they've messed up. You know, you, you just know, you know. Uh, uh, a couple years back when, when someone would come late, the band or the setup team, and they see me from there, they just know, my eye says it all, like, yes, you know? And then one morning, uh, something happened and I noticed, so I, I, I noticed how my team had been experiencing me. Because our, our amp blew up and, I was like, and they were in a panic. I'm like, no, guys, don't worry. I'll, I'll find a solution. You guys just keep practicing. I'm like, what? Who is this? And what did you do to Edgar King? I also don't know. I, here's the thing. That is something God has changed in me. Now, I think I am much calmer. I am less irritable, even in high-pressure things. But that is also still evolving. Don't bring pressure today after church. I battled with, with a porn addiction for many years. You know, this and many other sins are, are the things believers and especially pastors don't confess. And I tried everything to get free. Even as being your lead pastor. Right? I woke up one morning a few years back and, and realized, wait a minute, it's gone. Not even the desire is there. I'm just like, I don't need to. Now, the other day, so, you know, we're, we're looking at how our roof looks like, our, our floor looks like, and our playground. We, we've always wanted to be a place for uh, uh, faith, work, uh, uh, creativity, and kids playing. And so I, I went online, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to invite the whole church to this journey in a couple of weeks. I went online and I'm looking for, for, for kids' playground. And I don't know. So the first link was kids' playground on sale in Nairobi. The next link was a, was a porn site. Like, because the, the, the internet is weird. And I'd always dreaded the moment it will just, you know, pop up. Because I, I didn't know if I, was, if I was healed enough to not go down that path. And you know what? I am a changed person. Here's, oh, <laughs> thank you, well, it's, it's kind of weird to, have, to be clapped for that, thank you. Freedom is possible. Transformation is possible. So if you're struggling, if you feel stuck, if you've seen patterns and you, I, I encourage you, don't walk away. Our job is to remain consistent, consistent and let Jesus do what only he can do. Please give me five minutes of your time. Is that okay? I want us to sit in threes again and just talk about these three questions as the band comes up on stage. What stood out for you? And I know, you know, most of us are African, we love an opportunity to talk so that other people get to talk, just share shortly. So what stood out for you for, from this conversation? Have you ever prayed through a memory before? Just a yes or no. And then shortly share a redemptive moment. What, what, do you, what memory do you have right now? Going, and it makes you go, oh, this was God coming into my story and turning it around. So I'll do that and I'll come back and release us.